1: i'm doing great thanks patrick
0: um this feels very funny you and i are recording later in the day than we usually do and it's i can see my windows and it's dark out and it feels it feels like we're on a like we're on a date or something we never talk with a when the sun is oh oh this is so romantic it's gonna be romantic except it's not at all yes all right um today we are going to i'm excited this is a every once in a while you send me a note without any context. And you just like, just here's an yeah. episode. And then I wait until we schedule it to figure out what it is. And you sent me a note uh, a little while back and all, all it said was health 101. And so what mm-hmm. I'd love to do is kind of unpack what that means. And I, I'd love to do it within the context of a conversation we've had previously. At least I just want to mention it. Uh, late in 2020, we did an episode that we called, uh, I think designing a high school health curriculum. The idea being like, Ben, you're in charge of this high school's health. Uh, in terms of the in terms of it as a program, um, what does that look like? What does that entail? What does that not include? And so today, what I'd love to do is kind of continue that conversation in a way, but get a little bit more specific about okay, now you've got you know you're in charge. Here's what it looks like. Here's the focus, and now now you've actually got to deliver this information. At least you've got to start to communicate. Not to, not in a conceptual way, but like you've got to start to communicate these ideas to students, uh, presumably. And what does that look like? And what do you focus on? And what do you ignore? And all of these things. And so first thing first is just like Health 101 with that context. Where do you begin or where would you begin uh, with this conversation?
1: Yeah, so it's... Uh... It's so funny because I send you those messages. Usually it's like when I'm like going for a run or maybe I walk in the woods and I have these great epiphanies and I, I get, oh, Patrick, we got to talk about Health 101. And then two months later, you're like, okay, you ready to record Health 101? I'm like, oh my God, I, gosh, what what was I so excited about? Um, so, but I remember because this is, I think it's a cool thing. Um, so the reason I called it Health 101 was essentially, imagine if I was going to do a crash. I had a one week course to talk to seniors in high school about health. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, yes, it's going to end up like, here's the punchline, just so everyone's listening. It's going to end up talking about what we always do. It's going to end up talking about the five factors, because the more you boil down into the science, the more simplistic the approach becomes. Mm -hmm. The approach does not change. In fact, you just get to double and triple down. But if we're going to talk to um, high school seniors in this Health 101, We have to give them the science behind it. We have to give them the understanding of why these behaviors, and I use that word, why these behaviors affect your health in a um, proactive or negative way. And it it starts with this understanding of uh, DNA. And DNA, most people think DNA is destiny. Mm -hmm. If you're If your grandmother had cancer and your mother had cancer, then you're going to have cancer. And when you dig into the science, that's actually just not the case. In April of 2003, um, this decade-long pursuit ended and it made massive news across the entire world where we have mapped the human genome. And with that mapping of the human genome, we were supposed to get rid of disease like that's what it was that's why everyone was so excited about it but what happened was when they mapped the human genome they were expecting to find hundreds of thousands of different um strands of dna and these different things and that wasn't the case it was way way simpler than they expected to the tune of i'm gonna get the numbers wrong because i but it's just um you know a magnitude of like a tenth of what they expected to find. So what happened after they mapped the human genome and it was on the cover of Time magazine and Newsweek and everyone was so excited about this. It's funny because first do you remember when that was? I remember where I was when I heard no, about it. That. Do you remember exactly like no, the no. Okay. So anyway, I remember and um I was like, oh my God, this is so radical, this is life-changing. And then it got really, really quiet for the next decade. Mm and no one talked about it at all. Because it the DNA is not your destiny. Your DNA is merely a blueprint. It does not control your life. It's essentially what the DNA is, is a script. And you can interpret scripts a whole bunch of different ways. And one of the ways I've read this, which is a really, I think, elegant example of this, is you can have a script of Romeo and Juliet. And that can be presented in the very old traditional Shakespearean way with, um, you know, flowing gowns and in the, the big castles and the, um, the normal way, or it can be done in, um, South central Los Angeles with Leonardo DiCaprio, low riders and handguns. Mm-hmm. You can enter same exact script. The words did not change whatsoever, but it can be interpreted a whole bunch of different ways. And the way that you interpret your DNA is this thing called the epigenome. It is the epigenetics that ultimately determine your health, not your genetics. Genetics are part of it. It's a script. But all of these scripts have little switches on them. DNA is just just there to create proteins. And every one of these protein cells have switches on them. And these switches literally act like light switches. Like that's what they do. And they turn on and off. And the epigenome is essentially what is getting turned on and off. And there's a, a gazillion different permutations of the way that can go. And the way that these are the light switches go on and off is by your environment, it is by what you do and the way you operate in the world. So, all of these different proteins have these um, switches on them, and the switches act as little receptors. Every cell on your body, all the trillions of cells in your bodies have receptors on the outside and effectors on the inside. Mm -hmm. Now that kind of gets weird. Like what the heck is he talking about? The job of a receptor is to send a signal to the effector on the inside and how to physiologically respond to the environment. Just like your body does. Your body has receptors, eyes, ears, Skin, mouth, mm-hmm. smell, like that's all those are all receptors on how we're going to interpret the environment. And if your skin interprets the environment that it is cold outside, you walk outside and it's 31 degrees, that sends a signal to the effector on the inside, the metabolism, to kick into high gear to keep your body at 98.6 degrees. It's constantly trying to interpret your environment and the way it interprets the environment dictates how the effector of the cell on the inside actually comes to life. That process of reception and affection is known as perception. That's what that is. It's how to perceive something. You perceive something through your eyes, you perceive it, and so, What we are, the punchline here is your body, every single cell on your body is constantly on the lookout through all of your senses, every part of your body, trying to interpret the environment. And if the environment is unhealthy, in air quotes, unhealthy, you're going to become unhealthy. If you put your body in a healthy environment where it's going to perceive perceive that it's healthy, it's going to perceive, it's going to create a healthy body. It's as simple as that. The idea behind that is or the reason that's the case is you have depends on what you look at depends on how you break it down but let's call it a dozen different systems in the body. And everyone recognizes these, you know, the cardiovascular system, the nervous system, the muscular system, the skeletal system, the immune system, um, the urinary system, you know, there's a whole bunch of different systems in the body. How well those systems are operating is how healthy you are. Mm -hmm. So let's take one of those. Let's take the immune system. If the immune system interprets Danger it shuts off it it, it suppresses mm-hmm. it goes way way down. so how would the immune system first off, like um doctors know this, so this is why the way you walk and navigate through the world from the, the the stress people are like stress what the heck is stress? stress is like, yeah, you said that you're really stressed out, like get over it just like and but people don't understand how these factors affect their health so if you interpret the world your environment in a stressful way your immune system suppresses to help keep you alive Now, that sounds so weird like that seems like a, a glitch in the in the in the system like why would but think about it if you are from evolutionary biology perspective if you're walking hunter and gathering through the woods and a saber tooth tiger pops out, what the system does, it's incredibly efficient and effective. The system goes, holy crap, don't worry about the pathogens and the potential viruses inside your guts. Let's send all of the working energy to the extremities so you can run away from this thing as fast as you possibly can. We don't need the immune system. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it's, it's so like, it's such an efficient system. Let's instead fight this saber-tooth tiger or flight from it. Now we're moving the CNS from the parasympathetic nervous system to the sympathetic nervous system, and we are doing this really efficiently to help keep us alive. Well, back in those days, that was a really, really incredibly effective system. But today, we don't have saber-tooth tigers. We have someone saying something bad about you on social media. Mm-hmm. We have you um, having to do a workout that you don't like and not doing well on the leaderboard. We have boss saying you got to work on the weekend. We have spouse saying we have to have a talk. And those type of things are creating chronic stress responses. There's an between acute stress, which your body is so adapted to and operates so well. Get shut off the immune system. Use it to work with the muscular and the skeletal system and the cardiorespiratory system, so you can get at a dodge. Then, when you get back to the cave and you're kicking it, kicking it by the campfire with you know caveman Jane and your wife, then you can then you can go back and work on the pathogens on the system. The crazy thing, like we know, like the, the medical community knows this. If you're gonna get a tissue transplant, if you're gonna get a new heart or a new liver the way that they make it so your body doesn't reject this new thing being put into you is they give you stress hormones Mm. and the stress hormones lower your immune system. And this is why they're so careful about you getting sick while you're in the hospital or fighting off infection because they know you don't have an immune system. They purposely suppressed it so your body doesn't fight it off, allows it to incorporate and work itself into the system. This understanding help set the stage for why your mental health is real. Like this thing is real. And what I mean by that is the way you perceive the world. Remember, the switches go based off of effectors and receptors, which work as the same way as perception. This is, you know, it's a great book called The Biology of Belief. It's where a lot of this comes from. And the understanding is that the way you are interpreting your not the real environment, the way you interpret your environment matters so, so much. And this is why mindset matters so much. It's why mindfulness and meditation and gratitude, the spiritual practice, have tos, indigre- um, and, and to get tos, all the stuff that we talk about, it's not just for to be a more productive member of society. It's because it's for the thing that we want most of all, which is it's gonna allow us to be an asset for the people closest to us when we're older and not a liability. This is what leads to health. Now you take that aspect and you pull that back into the other 13 systems. All of those systems operate better when you are exercising, Mm -hmm. moving around a lot because all of the systems work better there. When you eat good food, Because your body, think of like your body, all of those systems need nutrients. They need nutrients to operate. Every single one of those systems needs it. From your brain to your gut, to digestive, to your skeletal, to your muscular, they need calcium and proteins and all the rest. They all need high quality foods and you can't eat too much because if you eat too much, You know, your HSCRP, whatever that inflammatory marker is, skyrockets, even if you're eating clean food, but way too much, you're overweight. So this comes down to quality and quantity, like the food matters so much. Then from there, it's sleep. When you sleep, you elicit certain hormonal responses. The endocrine system changes. And all of a sudden, your body is able to process and use different nutrients through the body. And then from there, it's your mindset and the stress and walking through nature and getting sun and vitamin D. This is basically the hub and spoke. The hub is all of the cells of your body. Every single cell is going to be affected by the spokes of the five factors. How you think, how you sleep, how you train, how you connect, and how you eat. That's why it does come back to those five. Now, there is a couple others. There's toxins and poisons. Like if you swallow poison you're not going to do very well if you live in a smog ridden city or you're exposed to asbestos then yes like that is another one we just kind of for kind of obvious reasons that's not high up on our priority list because um we just kind of hope that that's not the case (laughs) that you're not having poison you don't like chew it on asbestos gum all day long
0: right okay so given all that uh, given that you know one of the, i think one of the, the the things i take away from that is just this understanding of everything being connected and everything being connected to a larger system right and systems have rules and systems have inputs and and those inputs lead to outputs to a degree so understanding mm-hmm. that that's the case is it is it is it that we haven't been taught that these things are one connected into some kind of a logical system, whereby if you focus on what the inputs are, you can start to control as much as we can the outputs. Like, like where is the disconnect? Why is health such yeah. a so th- such a challenging idea or pursuit for so many people?
1: Well, it's not gonna be. This is not gonna be as big of a leap for us and our community because we kind of we know this. But for the gen pop, it's, this is massive. It's like, people think disease is a, is just a a, a, a luck of the, like the cards you're dealt. Mm-hmm. And it's not at all. If you take certain sets of DNA and expose it to different environments, just the exact same DNA, literally exact, put it in three different Petri dishes, Expose it to different environments. One of those DNA will grow, those proteins that we talked about will grow muscle. The exact same DNA in a different environment will grow fat. And another one will grow bone. The exact same thing. So the disconnect is that for hundreds and hundreds of years, we were led, we were duped in saying that it's your genetics. It's genetics. It's what you're born with. Just like born with brown eyes and you can't change it. We were told that that was health as well. That health was determined by your parents. And that is not the case to the point where in just one generation, one generation of having people that have never been exposed to um, processed foods. By the way, if you've never been exposed to processed foods, your whole lineage, you have perfect teeth. Hmm. Like i they all do. It's um, the research done by uh, Weston Price. It's phenomenal. Just like Google Weston Price, um, Google image it and check out the pictures. It's so fascinating. So what they do is they take these hunter gatherer tribes and he was a dentist. And he was fascinated by like, what is going on with teeth in the this? Society? And um, they take hunter gatherers societies. They all have perfect teeth because they've never been exposed to processed food. In one generation of the mother having processed foods. The kids grow up with narrow jaw lines, crowded teeth, mm-hmm. teeth rot. And I mean, think about like, think of, like our ancestors, like primates, like chimpanzees have great teeth. They don't brush. There's no braces. They don't cook it, but they don't eat processed foods either. Unless those chimps have been exposed to processed foods. Mm-hmm. And this is why, this is the bad bag of goods we've been sold, is genetics determine your health. If you talk to people like, Um, parents or people outside of our space, they'll go, of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. You go, no, like you don't have to get that. Like, are you, are you predisposed to Alzheimer's, dementia, certain cancers or heart diseases or those? Well, you might be, yeah, because you might have the script, but you determine through the environment and by environment, don't necessarily hear, do you live in warm climates or cold climates? Is it rain? Is it snow? Think, how much am I sleeping? How much am I eating? Am I in a low stress or a high stress? All the things that we talk about all the time. Your environment determines the way that your cells on the outside perceive that. And then from there, they affect the inside to the point where they will shut off your immune system. Well, if you're immune, and I say shut off, massively suppress, massively suppress your immune system. Well, if you have a massively suppressed immune system and there's a little sort of like cancer cell floating around in your body, and then you feed it a bunch of sugar and stress, like, holy crap, yes, you're setting up the environment for that to manifest itself and grow. Now, the you don't have to understand all that. You don't have to understand all of the mechanisms that go in, all the different systems, What? proteins and um, what is DNA and um, epigenetics and all that. What we need to understand is the behavioral aspects that we can take control of. And once you understand what those are, the five factors, then you try to lean into how can I optimize each of these things and create the greatest balance across them. Most of us in our community is probably doing really well with the training Mm -hmm. one, right? Like they're active, they're going to the gym five or six days a week, maybe They're doing okay with the nutrition one, maybe, but man, when you understand what actually happens on a biological level, when you feed your body crap from the digestive system and now people go like, oh yeah, right. I've heard about this thing, like the gut microbiome and keeping those guys healthy and all of a sudden, yeah, and leaky gut and what leads to that and all the brain function that goes with all, and all of a sudden things start to go haywire and it affects the next system and understanding the interplay between all of these things. And how to maximize each of them and understanding that we are not victims. Mm. It is not determined by your parents. Now, if you haven't taken ownership over this for the last 50, 60 years, then you've had longer time for this to manifest. But even still, you can mitigate it by taking ownership and leaning into this lifestyle.
0: Yeah, that that's that, that's exactly what I was gonna kind of ask you next, which is thinking again back to the. What, what we kind of uh, couch this conversation in this idea of health one one this idea of maybe this is the, a week long kind of health intensive is your takeaway or would maybe one of your takeaways be to those people who are, who you're kind of teaching, you're introducing this idea to, uh, is the takeaway that you have more control over your health than you've been led to believe? The,
1: the punchline of the whole takeaway would be um, let's, Um, take ownership of these things because it matters. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I'm trying to say in the beginning part of all science is this is why it matters. Mm -hmm. Now, whether you want to lean into it, try to understand it more. Awesome, great, but it's not necessary, right? It's, you don't need to. You don't need to understand the Krebs cycle and Golgi tendons and muscle spindles and um, crap sliding, cross sliding filament theory and all that stuff to get fit. You don't, you can do it if you want to, but you have to understand if you want to get fit, you have to know that you need to run and do thrusters and pull-ups, running and rowing and constant, very functional with for relatively high intensity. That's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. You don't need to understand what's happening on a biological level. But again, kind of hitting pause and rewind to the beginning of the conversation. If I was doing this with a senior class at a high school, I'd want to give them the science to start. So it's not just this like, hey, this is what you've heard before. It's what I like to do. It's my idea is that like if you lower your stress, you'll be healthier. It's not an opinion. Mm-hmm. It's it's the science behind it. So where is the – And then from there, I would – from there, once from there, then becomes the fun stuff. It becomes the behavioral stuff, yep. which is the stuff we talk about all the time. It is what do we believe is the prescription for nutrition. Well – Eat real food, not too much, really clean sourced uh, fruits, vegetables, and protein. Mm-hmm. Like if you do that, if you do that, like eat real food, not too much of it, get it from a really good clean source. Um, good. Awesome. Move. What do we mean by move? Conservative function moves for in a relatively high intensity. Try not to sit down for a lot. If you do try to walk around a lot, like just try to balance it out as much as you can. That's really simple for sleep, eight hours of quality matters. So it's not just amount of the time you're in the bed, but try to minimize the disturbances, try to minimize the wake times by lowering caffeine and um, by any sort of thing that might distract you like light or noise or um, temperature and try to optimize that. Mm -hmm. And then think, you're not a victim. Don't complain. Don't whine. Take ownership. Be a realist. If you can't you know, be a realist, at least be an optimist, you know, but there's no reason to whine or complain about anything. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to take it to the highest, highest level, it's do the practices, whatever it is you feel as a practice, mindfulness practice, journaling, meditation, pranayama, um, walking through nature, finding space, real tools if you want to find enlightenment, to find God, to like, that's the highest pursuit of the the think aspect. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is connect. There's so much science in the connection of things. There's a a study I came across recently that equated um, poor social support groups. If you have a poor social support group, meaning you don't have close friends with meaningful, like shallow relationships or worse a negative relationships, it's the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Mm. Jeez. So this is what you the more you lean into each of these pillars, the more it comes back to health. And there's so much to back it all up. Mm-hmm. So I guess this conversation is really um pulling back the curtain a little bit and going like there's there is a reason that we talk about these things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, because a lot of times we don't just we don't dive into the science behind it, we could kind of like get into it. We're like, here's what, here's why, you know, we'll have a guest on. We'll be like, here's why uh, a negative mindset is bad Mm -hmm. Um, or not even why that's what we should be doing is we should go, here's how to, how to make it better.
0: So what's interesting there though, is I, I, I always think about the the push and pull between uh, whatever you want to call it, but knowledge and action, knowledge and behavior, like Mm -hmm. you were talking about. And for me, the knowledge, everything that we've been talking about, some of the science notwithstanding, like the knowledge to me always feels like this is what everybody says. Like you go to anybody and they say, what does it take to get healthy? And it's a, at least to a large degree, maybe it's not constantly varied functional movements, but it's like exercise more, right? It's eat better. What does that mean? Uh, vegetables, I guess, right? Like the the knowledge in and of itself to a degree is like, okay, yeah, everybody gets that. It's the behavior. It's the action that people yep. struggle with. And so I guess all that to to ask the question, which is if the knowledge, like you said at the beginning, like it comes back down to these same five things, you and I didn't invent the five factors. Maybe we put a nice, clever name to them, but like these things have been known to be the important things for a long time, that notwithstanding, we're still in a culture that isn't healthy. Mm -hmm. And so there's a gap between that knowledge and the action necessary to do something about it, and so what do we do with that gap?
1: I, I think it's a re, it's it's a really good question. It is. Um, do we need more knowledge or do we need more um, action? And I think one can lead to the other. Mm-hmm. Like I, I started taking massive behavioral actions when I started understanding about nutrition, because I understood like, oh my gosh, this is so, this means a lot to my body. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I think there's a, a part of that. But I think the other, I think that you might be giving all everybody a little bit too much credit yeah. in terms of we know this stuff. Yeah, maybe because when you know I know um, more than enough people. I was talking to my dad this past weekend about one of his friends because we had the same conversation. Um, you know, we're having dinner with him and my and um, Heather, and he was going like, "You guys, the stuff that you're talking about, like the doctors don't know about this. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know." They know exercise and eat better. But he had a very good friend that was 60 pounds overweight, was pre-diabetic and was having a lot of issues. He couldn't play around a golf without almost passing out. Um, and he went to his doctor like, I'm scared. I'm like, this is not normal. And the doctor was like, uh, well, what are you doing for – what do you do for nutrition that you think you might want to clean up? He's like, well, I have – I do have a lot of soft drinks. I have a lot of soda. He's like, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Stop the soda and switch it to grape juice. Mm-hmm. Like switch it for the sugar to replace it with the sugar. Like it's not so, and then you go to doctors and you go like, they say, well, you need to exercise more. You go like, what should I do? And they're like, um, 20 minutes, three times a week of, of, you know, light aerobic activity. That's not going to do it. Mm -hmm. That's not going to do it. Now, if you are 100% sedentary and 400 pounds overweight, that's a step in the right direction. Absolutely but they do not know about constantly varied functional movements. They don't know about using, about trying to elicit greater amounts of power. Mm -hmm. They don't know um, the efficiency of combining functional movements. Um, They don't understand um, a lot of the stuff that we just take for granted. You know, and we're, again, we're preaching to the choir here because our community understands this, but the other part is, is the, you know, the more of the conspiracy side of it is we're up against it. Mm Like if we are able to fix this, this is okay. Ben's conspiracy theory for the week. If we're able to fix this, like 80% of pharmaceuticals go away. yeah, Like they're just gone. Like they're over, we're the only country, the only civilized country that advertises prescription drugs on TV. That's insane. It's like, it's, it's like, like, do you want to buy a, a new dress? Do you want to like... Get some food, or do you want to buy some Prilosec? It's like, what? Like, we're not doing it's, you know, there we're up against it in such a big way from big food and big soda and big um, pharma that's everywhere you go, there is, you know, if we didn't have this abundance of crap. And this sedentary lifestyle, where we are glued to screens in chairs, and this chronic high stress from our jobs and our cities and um, the constant bombardment of social media, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't have to have these conversations because mm-hmm. we'd be living like we did 400 years ago, and even 400 years ago. And this is I'm talking about like well after the agriculture and industrial revolution. But for certainly if we went back, you know, 10,000 years ago, like none of this stuff exists. We're all ripped. We're all super fit. We have great teeth. Um, Yes, the average life expectancy was less, but that's because – I'm not saying poo-pooing because we didn't have a lot of the people, you know, died at birth because we didn't have a lot of the medical care. And when people got sick, they died immediately because they had medicine. I want medicine. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to be treating healthy people with medicine. So – I think that the challenge that we're up against and the thing that we need to rewrite is um, that perception. I think that what you said is kind of cool because it means that we are doing it pretty well where you go, people know about this. Well, if they know about it, like great. Maybe if they knew a little bit more of the mechanisms behind it, they might really think twice about having the bag of Doritos. Mm -hmm. They might think twice about having the third glass of wine. They might think twice about doing an extra Netflix show instead of going to bed. They may think twice about um, um, their jobs and their professions that are causing way too much stress. They might think twice about the amount of time they're scrolling on social media. But I think this thing's coming to life. I, I think that we're in the midst of a the very early stages and I think it was spurred by the CrossFit movement. And I think that we're going to have um, a health revolution, because if we, I think if we don't, um, the writing's on the wall of where we're going, you know, this is like, the, I, I, my understanding is that this is the first generation who are expected to live shorter than their parents, minus some, you know, like the stuff that we talk about, Stephen Kotler and, you know, and, um, Sergey Young and that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, with all the, all the stuff that we're exposed to, we don't have health the way we used to.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to me because I, I, you know, you said a word uh, in there, you said, you know, all this abundance stuck out at me. It's it's so strange to me that we have this abundance of understanding of the science far more than a hundred years ago, light years, more than 500 years ago. We have uh, you know, we, we understand it better. The science is better. And yet it, globally, generally speaking, we've gotten less healthy. So we've gotten smarter and less healthy all somehow all at the same time. Um, and I wonder, I guess I wonder what is the antidote to the abundance? Cause that, if we could figure out how to, how to, how to get more people to more effectively deal with the abundance whether it's the abundance of screens, the abundance of sitting, the abundance of traffic, the abundance of crappy food, the abundance of being sedentary, the abundance of stress, the abundance of noise. If we can figure out the strategies necessary to fight back against the abundance, then, and only then do we get to a place where we can actually start to make some inroads in or towards health.
1: Yeah, I think that, um, as you said, there is that we never have we had as much knowledge and known more yet we've never kind of struggled as much. Um, some of them out there know more, mm-hmm. but we're fighting decades of dogma, mm-hmm. which started you know in the 1950s with Ansel Keys and the proponents of the food pyramid that that recommended six to 11 servings of grains a day. Mm -hmm. That was like, we did not have a heart disease issue before that. They put that out to try to help heart disease. When they put that out, heart disease became a huge, massive problem. Mm -hmm. We have Kellogg's cereal inventing the saying that we accept as truth, which is breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Mm -hmm. That was created by Kellogg's cereal. It's not. Breakfast is an unnecessary meal to have. It's just, it doesn't need to exist at all. If it does exist, it certainly should not be dessert, which is what everyone's having. Cereal is dessert. Pancakes are dessert. Muffins are dessert. They're all pastries. They're all forms of cake. That's all it is, is we are fighting so much of dogma slash industry because there's been so much created abundance around these things. it's going to take my opinion, grassroots people understanding this and going to farmer's markets. It's going to take people, um, saying no to the screens and getting out into nature. It's going to say people people saying, no, it's not about thigh master. It's not about, um, Calf raises. It's about getting out and doing burpees and running and cleans and rowing. It's going to take people saying, I'm not watching this five more episodes of Netflix. I'm going to go to bed and get the extra hour and a half of sleep. The way it changes is by individuals. Mm-hmm. The saying is, you know, don't ever underestimate the, the power of a small group of highly motivated, passionate people to change the world. Because indeed, that's the only thing that ever has. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take. I'm not trying to sit here and start a revolution, but I, partly because I hope we're already, it's already started. <laughs> but I, I talked to a lot of people, and you know, people that I wouldn't expect. They're like, "Yeah, we get everything from a, a CSA now. We go to farmers' markets. We get uh, meat shares because we're sick of getting the industrial raised cattle and um, crappy chicken and eggs, and uh, we want the good, clean stuff." and Um, As more consumers take their pocketbooks that way, that's the only way that the big guys are going to shift and they have, like if you want to find grass fed meat 10 years ago, you had to go to a farm and buy it. Mm -hmm. Now you go to Whole Foods and there's grass fed everywhere. It's on restaurant menus. Now there's actually the whole restaurants are centered around that. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to, um, um, you know, if you were interested in the the quality of the soil that somebody grew up in, you might have a conversation with somebody about that. They look at you like you're a cross-eyed. Like, what are you talking about? Soil, dirt is dirt. Like, what's the matter? And now people are starting to understand the importance of soil and all the other stuff. But to me, um, it's going to take the behaviors of a few, which turns into a few more, which turns into, you know, it's like any it's like any sort of movement. It's the early adopters, the early majority, the Late majority, the mass, and the laggards.
0: Couple things. One is all of these things that we're talking about in in light of, in the face of abundance, is this fight that 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 abundance brings, which is a fight between comfort and discomfort. When, yeah, when there is an abundance of Twinkies it is uncomfortable to say no to the Twinkies. When there is an abundance of Netflix, it is uncomfortable to say no to the Netflix. And so fundamentally, as as, as a creature, we are built to seek comfort. We're built to, to be self-preserving for all the reasons that we can talk about, but everything to do with berries and, and animals chasing us in the woods, right? And so evolutionarily, we're up against this environment that is not suited for what we are made for. And in order to fight against that, we have to embrace at least a degree of discomfort, certainly not pain. We don't have to go, we don't have to go throw ourselves off a cliff just to to get healthy. But how do you start? How does that, or what does that look like on a cultural level? Revolutionarily, (laughs) how do you get more people to embrace burpees and vegetables And going to bed on time when you and I could, you and I know that those aren't painful, but they're uncomfortable in the face of an abundance of comfort and an abundance of convenience. What needs to happen in order to get more people to understand that through discomfort is health?
1: Great question, Patrick. I think that's, if we are, if we're able to answer that, that's, that's how we shift this thing. But I would start with education. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like why we would do this health 101, and people understand actually, um, that it's, it matters. Um, you, you taking the easy road is going to lead to a lot of discomfort later on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the saying is, um, easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life, you know, so, uh, it's getting people to buy into that process. And, um, so, some people don't do it until, you know, alcoholics don't do it until they, have, they hit rock bottom or there's an intervention. Or someone You're going to lose your family unless you do this. Um, you would hope that they would do it beforehand. but That's essentially where we all are. Yeah. We're addicted to the abundance and the comfort. So, you know, I, I think it starts with conversations like this um, and people then taking it to the next level on their own and starting to learn more and more. And then changing their own, um, environments. When I say that, I mean like their own homes, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, we're, we're going to be a family that doesn't thrive off of drama. We thrive off of calm, that we, um, are a family that goes for walks in nature, that we are a family that doesn't bring processed foods into the house, Mm -hmm. that we are a family that, um. Um, makes movement and exercise a priority in our lives. We are a family that, and as we grow the next generation, to me, that's where it, it's gotta be like starting with the, them. Like the children are our future. <laughs> that's beautiful. Teach them well and they will. So I think it has to start with, it doesn't have to. I think it's the, that's the probably the most productive way because they haven't been ingrained with the dogma that, you know, everyone else has.
0: Yeah. Something we think we where we talk about a lot here um, in lots of different ways, but is identity, right? I'm the kind of person who fill in the blank, right? And throughout this whole conversation, the, the, the word that keeps popping into my head is priorities. And our priorities are such that, um, or rather our, our priorities have gotten us to where we are today, again, culturally, societally. And so to me the 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 unlock is on an individual basis changing your identity so that you change your priorities so that you change your decisions if that makes sense. And so that to me is the fight is getting people to understand yeah. that it starts with un- with a fundamental reshifting of h- what is the most important thing for you or who you are as a person. And then downstream of that is what is important to you. And then what you do about that on a day-to-day basis. And that to me is the, is the real big challenge. And, and, and why I think you're right about going to a place or, or working with, which why I kind of love this, that we couched this conversation in high school, you've got to go back to a place where that identity is still being created, where that identity is still moldable so that they can go into the world with that so that they can set the right priorities.
1: Yeah. I think the challenge with it is, um, there's, you said it earlier, there's not immediate inputs and outputs. So I can have a bag of Doritos and I can have the crappy dinner and I'm not sick the next day, but it's the type of thing like, yeah, you go to the gym two days in a row. You're not fit the next day. (laughs) Yeah, It takes years for the fitness thing to happen. Well, it takes decades for the other things to happen. Mm-hmm. Like it takes decades of the stress stuff. It takes decades of the crappy eating. It takes, but it's coming. And the problem is it's silent. This is a big thing. you know. It, it's the silent inflammation yeah. that uh, wreaks havoc. If it's chronic inflammation, like you sprain your ankle and it was that much pain. Imagine if every time you ate something crappy, it did that to you. Mm-hmm. Actually, I take that back. It does happen. People eat crap and they get heartburn mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh my God, I can't move. I can't sleep. I can't do it. It kills. Oh, it's in my gut. Oh, Oh, pass the medicine, mm-hmm. pass the medicine. I got to. And they, cause it's what we've been told. It's that type of, that's what we're up against. It's like, no, your body's screaming at you that this was a really bad food choice. Yeah. It don't, don't wash it down with medication. Change the food choices. But to your point, that's hard because they love the chili dogs. They love the, whatever it is that, I don't know why chili dogs just seem like they would cause massive heartburn. I I've never know. had one. But- that's why it's always in those commercials. You can still eat your hot chili dogs. You can still have yeah. the, the, the loaded pizza. You can still have the garlic bread with cheesy crusted ranch dressing. You can still eat. It's like, Because you can take medication to fix it, and understanding that every medication has side effects, it's not—it's suppressing the symptoms, not fixing the issue. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, man, we're up against it. So let's start with high school and younger, and try to um, change the narrative. Mm -hmm.
0: It's—it strikes me as there's also the opportunity, or there is that we're already kind of in the midst of it. If you think about the. I, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but like the generation of people who started doing CrossFit when we did, right, two thousand whatever. Now they're, now we're ten years older. Soon we'll be twenty years yeah. older and thirty years older. And what pops in my head is like just thinking about the what you just said about the there's that so that that lag between inputs and outputs. There's, there's so a lag between decision and, and, and like real actual consequences. Cause a lot of times it can take five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Right. And I start thinking about the, you know, I start thinking about Ben Bergeron when he's 70 and skiing and, you know, and like, and, and life has not slowed down. And then a 12 year old, a 13 year old, a 14 year old seeing that, and not obviously just you but a whole generation of crossfitters who um, and you know crossfit adjacent cuz you know more power to you whatever you got to do or whatever you want to do but seeing 50 60 70 80 year olds not immediately be the person who's in the nursing home and uh, it's so sad seeing grandma d- deteriorate and disappear And that's just the way it goes. That's, I guess that's just what it means to get older. Eventually you get sick and you can't walk and you got to go to the place. And I just think about like, I think about, and I mentioned him before, I think about my grandfather. He just passed away at 93, 95, whatever it was. And the dude was a rock until he wasn't, (laughs) he was, he had, he had a boat. He was out on the boat as much as he could be. And for a long time, he had a motorcycle. Like he was just the pinnacle. He and my, and my grandmother who's still with us. They're just the pinnacles of health, and I grew up watching them get older but not get decrepit and to me that's the lesson and I was older when I finally put this put these things together but that would be the lesson if I was fourteen or fifteen or sixteen, seeing at least some number of people who i in my head the story is that they get old and they and they 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 live a short and miserable life from you know whatever sixty five to seventy five and like, oh, actually, no, that's not the case. He's 75, he's 85, he's 95. And he's still fill in the blank doing whatever they're doing, right? That to me is when things might start to be connected between the generation who, or the age of people who can still be molded, whose minds are not yet made up, whose dogma has not yet been set, um, and all the work that we've been doing.
1: Yeah, well, that's... I, I hope so. That I hope that's the case. First, I hope I'm still skiing when I'm 70. So I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you a um, Yeah. And I, I think it's hard for a 14-year-old though to like even like project out like I'm bulletproof, man. I'm 14. I can have the Doritos yeah. and it doesn't do anything. Yeah, like I me.
0: agree with you. But I think it's that with the conversation that we're having. Again, hopefully. Yeah. The conversation about what it means and how you get to that. I think if you were to yeah. line two people up and one's healthy 85 and one's miserable 85 and you say – we know as best we can know anything, how to get there versus how to get there. Yeah. Are you interested? Because now's the time, because now is when you can make decisions, start moving towards that. Right.
1: Yeah. I hope that's the case. I, I, I do think it's, uh, letting people understand the power behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because we have, you know, I, we have members of our gym that you know these twenty year olds that work out all the time, and then they on the way out of the gym they're having the crap because yeah. they're bulletproof. And in the morning they're having Lucky Charms and they're all the crap food, and they're like, well, I just, and they and they and they have six packs. But I get it, but you're you don't understand that like the micronutrient aspect. It's not just the like there's there's other stuff besides aesthetics. Mm there's health. yep, And it's not just about, um, you know, I, I, I think that there's just more to be understood about the mechanisms of health, how they are all intertwined, and then how much control we have over that. I think mean, that's a big message is that we have control over it. And it's not, you know, whether you Eat clean today, it's are you going to eat clean for a while? I get that's a big ask of people. You don't have to be perfect, you know, but it matters.
0: Yeah. All right. We've been talking for 15 minutes. Let's start wrapping this up. What, if anything, what's the takeaway here? Where's the Health 101? Gosh, this just feels like the beginning of a longer conversation that we're going to have, which I'm excited about. But (laughs) but closing up this particular chapter, uh, what, if anything, do you want to mention, do you want to talk about before we wrap up?
1: Um, Your health is not predetermined. It's not the deck of cards that you were dealt. You get to play that hand. You get to play that hand really well. You can fold because you weren't dealt a good hand. And if you fold, yep, you're going to end up kicking out of the game pretty quickly. Or you can... Take the harder route and make the good but harder choices to set yourself up with the optimal environment to succeed as best you can. And these things matter. They might not affect you tomorrow. Like people get the sleep one because it affects them the next day. But your food choices—if you're eating really clean—you'll notice that too. Yeah. But we we live in this i this place of this constant suboptimal state that we just accept it as a norm. And it's essentially like, imagine you've been living your entire life colorblind and no one ever talked to you about color. You wouldn't understand that there is that thing. But once you see it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is, I could feel this good. Whoa, this is amazing. This is so great. And you might not even feel that until you go back to the way it was when you have a a big weekend. This is like, so I'm speaking from first person experience here because we're, we're recently off of Thanksgiving. Mm. And I went off the rails <laughs> for sure. Um, and man, I felt like crap, yeah. like really felt like crap. And it wasn't because like I was hung over alcohol or anything like that. It was because of the crappy foods and the lack of exercise. And the, um, when you understand how p- that shifts based off of your behaviors, you, you, you're you motivated to take better behaviors.
0: Love it. I remember um... Thank you. Thank you everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. Ben and I will continue this conversation maybe next week, maybe another week. Either way, thank you and we'll see you again soon. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.